everyone. Welcome to a brand new season two episode of Scripts on Scripture with a very special returning guest. Hey, hey. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you back. So honored to be here. Irene Rollins, author, pastor, speaker, podcaster, glory woman. Like when I, Aww. when I introduce people, it, it helps if there's a little condensed version. So we oh. might have to work on that, but. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. But I'm your friend. I think that's the most, that's important, most important of all my things that I am. <laughs> that's why I really enjoy mm. having you on. Today, I wanted to go in on the subject of, of speaking truth in love. Mm-hmm. And what, what does it look like? Um, Cause we see a lot of examples uh, in today's world of what it, it shouldn't look like yeah. of speaking truth when it's actually harmful because it can be harmful. Um, but I, I, as I was preparing for this, I, I kept thinking of when I was, when I was a kid and you know, the old adage of, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say, don't say anything, anything at all. all. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, you know, there are a lot of instances even in scripture where, you know, silence is preferred. Proverbs tells us even a fool is thought wise if he holds mm-hmm. his tongue. And so I think that um, there can be some confusion on when is it appropriate to speak? When is it not? And is it going to be beneficial? Mm-hmm. Honestly, though, I don't think that question is contemplated quite enough. Right. Especially absolutely. online. Mm-hmm. Behind a keyboard. Exactly. People get really ambitious. Really ambitious. <laughs> and it's a, you. Ha- it's actually, to me, yeah. um, I'm going to use this word cowardice. Yes. Because, yes. you know, you're hiding behind that somebody can't see you and actually flash back out. But yeah. people, it, I think it's so um, saddening yeah. to me and it grieves me because people take that liberty and it's still so hurtful and they don't realize that then yeah. when they start this effect that um the snowball effect where yeah. other people start joining in oh, absolutely. and it becomes like a bully party bully oh, absolutely. somebody it's just so sad yeah it i know it grieves yep. the holy spirit absolutely. i mean we are not our words are bring life and death that's the weight of them absolutely yes. that literally scripture tells us mm-hmm. your words have the power of life and death and that's that's an enormous responsibility. Even in writing. Even in writing. And honestly, like, why would it not have the same impact in writing? Right. You know, like, why would we ever think, <laughs> God left us words in writing. Like, mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, so it's like taking taking that for granted, um, I think it's just the comfortability of, of not being face-to-face. Mm-hmm. I think that oftentimes it's just that the lack of presence, physical presence that, that gets kind of, you remove that quotient. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I'm sure you deal with it on social media. 100%. I, <laughs> 100%. And I, for that reason, I, uh, I try to actually stay away from certain topics and controversial things because I know I'm a peacemaker yeah. and I don't, yeah. I like harmony. I don't mm-hmm. like to be, have bad blood with people. Mm-hmm. So I, Air away from that, and if mm-hmm. some only someone in my personal circle yeah. would know how I feel about like controversial topics, yeah, um, yeah, because I don't think we honor other people's opinions online. Yeah, um, we want to say no, the way I see it is yeah. right, yeah. and then we the, the when we speak about it, we become 
angry and volatile and the message gets yeah. lost. Yeah. You could have something really good to say. Yeah. But the message gets lost in the sauce because of the delivery. Absolutely. And Absolutely. It's so critical to like this is I kind of teach my kids this um, method. I'm like, before you post something, <laughs> is it going to be beneficial? Why am, why are you posting it? Yeah. Like, who are you trying what's to, motive? what's your motive? Yeah. Well, you know, who are you trying to impact? Who are you trying to make laugh? Who are you trying to mm -hmm. reach? Mm -hmm. And, uh, th they really have thought about that. They're like, if it's not beneficial, then I'm not yeah. going to do it. Yeah. Even if it's something good. Yes, it exactly. It could be a great picture of me. Um, I don't know. It could be me in Paris mm -hmm. in, uh, a mansion and you know yep. but it brings all this warfare to my life because people start questioning where is she I, she turned down my uh speaking engagement yeah. and now she's over <laughs> there and people are making yep. up stories so it's like it may be a good thing that I'm in Paris in this mansion doing yep. my thing but not everybody not needs everybody to needs. know yeah it's so true it's so true yeah. and I think about you know when we when we say check your motives you know mm -hmm. I think about the the chapter in Corinthians Corinthians 13 where Paul's talking about love and he's talking about all these amazing things that he could do, but if it's not out of love, mm -hmm. it's nothing. It's not and good. and that you know and and that like what you said, it, it could be a good thing, it could be a really beautiful thing, mm -hmm. but if my motives for posting it are off, or if my motives for sharing it with someone else are off, right. then then I'm really a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, like a, you know Paul exactly. says, where it's like that's not that's not constructive. Mm -hmm. And and I love having this conversation with you because whereas you are much more a peacemaker, I'm like, catch me outside. So, <laughs> so, so I'm like, I need somebody that balances that out. Yeah. And honestly, I love that about our friendship because there are times where I am, I'm wrestling with something and the response that I have is much more volatile mm -hmm. and, and probably not the most constructive way. And there have been times where I've talked things out with you and kind of it brought me down a notch. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. I'm so glad. But but that's I think that's the importance mm -hmm. of having these conversations and having people that are in our corner that we can talk through because we all have different dispositions, different temperaments, different upbringings, Absolutely. different backgrounds. We bring different junk mm -hmm. to the table. And then our emotions get involved and it's yep. like a whole nother story. Absolutely. You know, like what the word says, um, iron sharpens iron. So yeah. we are here to sharpen one another, right? Exactly. But that sharpening, do you realize that when something is being sharpened, it's that not it has comfortable. to, it's not comfortable. <laughs> it has, there's a rub. Yep. There's, you know, to yep. sharpen the thing. And yep. so I think that that rub is what people avoid because I don't oh, want to feel pain. Yeah. But we're only as accountable as we want to be. Absolutely. So if you can be uh, someone that says, oh, I just want to speak my mind and da, da, da. You think everybody's just going to listen. Oh, exactly. But <laughs> what you don't realize that is the, when you open yourself up to feedback yes. and to be sharpened yes. and you say, you know, I want to be accountable to someone yes. and then you receive the feedback, it only makes you better. So then what you have to say actually gets heard. Exactly. Exactly. And, and there's a great example. I wrote, I wrote about Abigail in, in my book, you know, so like the, the whole story, like David's tending Nabal's, her husband's mm -hmm. flocks and, and, and protecting them, which is essentially protecting all of his finances. And he's very rich. And, um, and so, uh, when Nabal uh, offends David tremendously, um, I, she comes into the picture to correct the offense. Now it's not her fault. Right. It's not an offense she gave, mm -hmm. but 
she takes it on herself to go and approach David mm-hmm. and acknowledges his pain, acknowledges his offense. And like you said, it's disarming yes. and it grants you the right to continue speaking. I think about it, you know, if, if I were in the other person's shoes, mm-hmm. the chances of me listening to you, what, what, are, what, what reasons have you given me to, to be receptive? Mm-hmm. And I think there are a number of criteria and, and namely relational equity. And we'll, we'll talk about that too. But, um, but the first being, are you for me or against me? Right. You know, are you speaking this to help me or are you speaking this because you disagree and you want to fight? Right. <laughs> because, because that's, you know, that's what, what I think a lot mm. of times we, we jump to, we assume, or at least I know I do, but you, you know, there's, there's that, um, that confrontational re- reaction. Acknowledgement of the way somebody else yes. feels yes. disarms whatever um, tension or yes. um, heightened emotions yes. they may have. Yes. Because when someone's emotions are heightened, they're not going to think logically yes. all the time. They're not going to be able to hear you for through like the filters, mm-hmm. like healthy filters, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they might be in fight, flight, or freeze. We're Absolutely. emotionally charged. Um, that's why I say take a deep breath yep. and calm yep. before you proceed. And when just simply saying to yep. someone, um, what I, what I heard you say was, and yep. you repeat it back to them and then you're saying, I can see how you would think that or feel yeah. that, um, something of that nature just disarms. It makes the person feel heard. Yep. And then you can proceed mm-hmm. into the next criteria, which is when the person gives feedback. Yes. First of all, we don't ask a yeah. lot of the time. Oh, we assume it, it, that's so true. That's so get, true. That we, but we get to decide yep. If yep. we're going to take in feedback. Yep. So we get to think, is this person for me is it- or is this person against me? So I tell my kids, again, I'm going to keep referencing my kids because this is how they're young adults oh, now. And they really have to process when someone speaks to them, yes. what, what are they going to do with it? Yes. And I'm like, if this person is truly for you, they're going to send yes. a message to you in a life-giving way. Yes. So it's not going to, um, you, you may feel a little mm-hmm. shame, but mm-hmm. it'll be the gift of shame exactly. for you to change your behavior yes. or your actions versus shaming you yes. to yes. Um, say you are bad, yes. right? It's conviction more yes. than, than guilt. Yes, conviction more than guilt, exactly. So I just think that um, we get to decide uh, what we're yeah. going to take on. And then yeah. we can also ask for permission Absolutely. before we give feedback. Like, Absolutely. Hey, are you open to feedback? I'm hearing yep. you say, and then we go through all the motions of hearing someone out, yep. but then ask for permission to give our feedback. Absolutely. I love what you said about Abigail, because when I thought about how, um, her, I, we had a conversation about yeah. this at lunch where, you know, here she is, her husband is messing up. Oh yeah. Big okay. Time. Like he's offending the king. Like mm-hmm. this is bad. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's going to die. The, you know, all the, the servants. servants. <laughs> yep. They're like, um, mama, can you yeah. help us? Uh, need you to do something about <laughs> this need real you to quick. Do something about this real quick. <laughs> and notice she went and uh, on behalf of her family yep. and spoke and said to David, um, number one, acknowledged her husband's yeah. um, mistakes, um, apologized on behalf of the family, but then she did something else. Yep. She told him, she reminded him of what God spoke to yes. him, and it disarmed him. Yes. David was, dis- she's like, oh, remember 
all the great things yes. you've done. Remember all the things God has spoken to you about and that mm -hmm. came to pass. Remember, and as she honored what had happened and acknowledged her husband's offense, yep. it disarms David. And David's like, oh, yeah, okay, now I can think clearly. I love her words where she says that um, the, the Lord will knock down your enemies like stones out of a sling. You can't help but think of Goliath. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge mountaintop moment for David. Yeah. So she takes him back to this incredible, victorious mm -hmm. moment where I'm sure he felt special versus the situation he's in now where he's feeling dishonored in a real life hunger games yeah. and, you know, and, and, and literally be hunt, being hunted by his former mentor. Right, that's true. So, you know, so he's at mm -hmm. all time low Yeah. and she's reminding him of this mountaintop. And then she talks about his future being yes. just that way, but don't let this tiny offense ruin that beautiful future that God has in store mm -hmm. for you. And that, so, and I, I think about the way that she shifts the focus from the right here, right now, mm -hmm. as, as awful as it is, cause she's already acknowledged that, you know, mm -hmm. that was horrible what he said to you, but in the way that he treated you in the way that he dishonored you in front of your, your men, which are surely just as fatigued as he is at yes, this point in life. Exactly. So, you know, so, but then she, but then she alludes to like, okay, but this is what God's going to do in your life. Don't let this be a blemish on your record. Mm -hmm. And so I, what I'm hearing you say yeah. is ownership. Yes. Take ownership first. Yes. And that whole acknowledgement disarms. Yes. So when we're speaking truth and love, yes, there's ownership, ownership. that both parties can Absolutely. take. Because in any type of um, contentious conversation or what have you, yes. there's always something, a part that we play, mm -hmm. even if the other person is 80% wrong. Exactly. There's a 20% that I can own and exactly. acknowledge, right? And then um, we uh, reconfirm commitments. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. let's reconfirm, like... Our, our, our relationship. Exactly. Like I am for you, not against yep, you. Not against you. You know, um, look what the Lord has done in our relationship. He's been faithful, you know, and, yep. and then just remembering, um, the future, like yeah. we have, what do we want the future to look like? Exactly. And Jimmy and I, my husband and I have been married 24 years and we use the term, uh, a vulnerable request. I have a vulnerable yeah. request. Ooh, that's good. And that, feel like that speaks to yes. the future yes. of what I'm asking for in the future. And that I think that's so healthy it is. in life-giving conversations when you're speaking yes. truth and love. Because married people, we come to a conversation with a problem. Yeah. Like complaint. <laughs> yep. like, and we don't realize that if we uh, took ownership of our part yes. in it, yes. we reconfirmed like all 100%. the amazing things about our spouse and it, yeah. they, they will feel like we are coming into the conversation, not attacking exactly guns blazing. And then perhaps exactly they will hear when we yep. uh, bring the problem, but don't come without a solution. Exactly. So like exactly. how did I break it down? How did Abigail do that? She so, came with the solution. So she, she came with, arms full of mm -hmm. provisions for one thing, first of all, mm -hmm. because that's all he was really asking of Nabal. Mm -hmm. his, his, he and his men have been sleeping under the stars and, you know, just fending for themselves mm -hmm. essentially. And it was harvest season and they had protected all of his flocks, which meant he was, he, he was having an insanely good year, which meant yeah. that the party was going to be lit. Like <laughs> they were going to have a spread, food, mm -hmm. wine, everything. It was going to be an enormous feast. Mm -hmm. 
and and they wanted in on it. And and technically, Naval owed him. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other subject, but legally, he was indebted to yeah. David and his men. And so so when Abigail comes, she doesn't come empty-handed. She comes with a ton, and she and it even tells us what she brought, which which shows us that she brought the best. Yes. She brought the best to the king, mm-hmm. and she acknowledges his, his kingship. She praises him. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee um, there was a, a, a void. If you read, like, the story of David's life, like, this was one of his lowest points. Mm-hmm. And, and he's having to make a lot of calls that really... I feel like his men would have been questioning at this point in time because he's had a number of opportunities to kill Saul and it would have been justifiable self-defense. Right. He chooses not to. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee his men are going, dude, like, can we just get this over with? Right. You know, you've had every opportunity to take out the threat, assume the throne. Everyone knows you're the anointed king. Some people are going to take issue, but so what? You'll be king, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, there are a number of, of opportunities here, but what Abigail approaches him with is, is a different, a different route mm-hmm. where he's allowing God to take care of his enemies. He's not taking it into his own hands. He's not, he's That's right. And, and honestly he turns and he, he blesses her for quote, keeping his hands from murder. Yeah. He recognizes, Mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. I didn't slay the giant, God did. Mm -hmm. Because I told Goliath, I come to you in the name of the the Lord. That's the kind of King David wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And, And he slips up a number of times when it comes to violence. And Abigail recognizes this, but that's what she's telling him. Mm -hmm. Don't be that. Don't, don't let that tendency derail the kind of King that I know you want to be. Mm -hmm. And she calls him up to his, his, his real potential, which is, I think exactly what you're saying with spouses. It's, you know, you, you see the the golden potential, but you also see the flaws because you live with them every single day of life. So you see those tendencies that, that kind of derail their potential, but you can either call them out and make it a, an argument mm-hmm. and, and make it uh, a tension between the two of you. Or you can approach it speaking truth and love in a way that disarms, as acknowledges the way that you see them, the potential that you see in them, mm-hmm. and builds them up and then allows them the opportunity to make them choice themselves. Abigail doesn't sit there and tell David what to do. Right. She tells him and, and prophesies a beautiful future for him. But she's not in any way assuming authority over him. Right. She's right. she's a good attorney. Mm-hmm. She's convincing. She really <laughs> is. She really is. And she's like, I know my husband's, you know, a uh, bit of a fool. Yep, cuz he is. Mm-hmm. And he <laughs> everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to call it what it is. It's uh, no secret. But at the same time, here is how we are going to approach yeah. it. Yeah. And what my vulnerable request is, and yep. she makes her request known and he honors yep. it. And I believe he honors it because of the way she brought I do her, too. presented herself, the way she postured herself. And in relationships, yep. if we could just take these principles and mm. apply them, yes. like come into a hard conversation with yes. affirmation, yes. come into a hard conversation with uh, the complaint in honesty, yes. honestly, yes. Not in an accusatory way saying you, you, don't you hate when people do that? Oh my God. You always, or you (laughs) and the pointing. That's not going to, that's not going to disarm. No. It's going to heighten everybody's emotions. They're not going to hear you. You want to be heard, frame it in a way that is 
what you observed. Well, and I think that's so key like, because I noticed what what is because because again it goes back to your motive. If you want to be heard, if you actually want to do good with the words that you're speaking, consider the way you're speaking. Them. Yeah. Because ultimately, like you said, if I come at you with guns blazing, pointing fingers, mm-hmm. you're going to tune me out. Yeah. I mean, that's just all the there is to it. The blame game does not work. It doesn't work. But when I hear someone come and say um, what they noticed, mm-hmm. not what they made up. Oh, exactly. There's a difference. Yeah. Because when, when I say what I noticed, you're not accusing. Oh, exactly. So I'm less defensive. Um, then you can say what I yes. made up about that was now you're taking yes. ownership yes. of your own feelings yes. based off of what you observed. Absolutely. And then we go yeah. into the vulnerable request. Yeah. Cause then you're essentially mm-hmm. saying, I drew this conclusion based on this yep. and you're offering the, the chance for them to say, Oh no, no, that's not what that's I meant. Not, yes. You know, and, th- and that may very well be the case or it might be, okay, well I did that because I felt this way about what you did here or, mm-hmm. you know, because so many times I feel like that's where the disagreements come in and it's it's difficult to unravel. Yeah, you get stuck in this you, cycle you where yeah. like and you just you're trying to get out of this hamster wheel yes. and you're having the same argument, the same yes. conversation over and over. It's like, hold on, let's stop. Yep. Let's acknowledge yep. what are you feeling? What am I feeling? Why? Okay. Yeah. I hear you. Okay how are we going to do this moving forward? Exactly. And you know, and it's just, there's so much to say about, uh, just affirming what someone else is saying here. Here's the thing people don't realize just empathy doesn't require you to have the same experience. Oh, say that again. Empathy does not require you to have the same Same experience experience. or to agree. Empathy does not require you to agree. So no. empathy is simply hearing something, letting someone know that you, they're heard yep. from their point of view. Yep. You are curious and you ask questions and you go into their yep. world and experience it from yep. their point of view. Yep. You don't ever have to be, okay, I'm going to totally switch Absolutely. it up. You never have to be a biracial woman like me, eight years into my recovery from alcoholism. Right. With curly hair um, and, you know, all the things about me to yep. to empathize and understand what Absolutely. it's like for me to live in this world. Absolutely. With so many biases and yep. people uh, that have opinions about yep. someone in recovery. Yep. Yep. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Or about this color of my skin or about absolutely. being a woman. Yep. No. No, absolutely you not. You don't have to agree with my political choice. Don't have to agree. But don't have to agree. Can but, you hear me But out? you can listen. Yeah. It's not going to hurt to listen. It's not going to hurt. <laughs> and then, like, when we are not all, you know, um, I am woman, hear me, roar, yeah. aggressive with it. Yep. Then someone might actually be able to hear a different point of exactly. view. Exactly. Might, and we're not trying yep. to change the way people are thinking. Mm-mm. We're just simply speaking our truth. Yep. In a loving way. And 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 offering. Mm-hmm. Offering. Hey, offering. this is this is my experience. You can't argue with someone's experience. You it's can't. their experience. It's their experience. That that's that's ridiculous. I've heard mm-hmm. people try and they sound a fool because yeah. that's not your experience. Right. Stop trying to take that away from someone. Right. Now, what they gained from that experience, you might say, actually, let's look at it this way. Mm-hmm. Let's let's let's, you know, examine what you know, this th- what this person said to you 
maybe came from a, a place of, of pain, maybe mm-hmm. came from, I, I was, I, we did an episode recently, um, on adoption and I was, I was sharing with Hannah how, um, there, I've had a number of nasty things said to me. One of the hardest was when a woman compared my children to a handbag <sighs> and, so um, and, and suggested that I had adopted as a result of a trend. And, I, you know, obviously it felt mm-hmm. like an assault mm-hmm. on my character mm-hmm. because anyone who knows me knows that is absolutely not First of all, the case, (laughs) but at the same time, I had to acknowledge where that was coming from Mm -hmm. because she'd seen that. Gosh, she'd seen someone that takes the personal out of it, all the wrong motives. Mm -hmm. And I had to acknowledge that Hmm. because although yeah, offensive. Yeah. And that wasn't your experience and it's not your truth. No, but Mm -hmm. By acknowledging that that was something she had, you know, she had a, a really a traumatic experience with, it took the personal out of it. Yeah. And it allowed me to just kind of detach from it. And that was, that was another thing, because you and I have talked about this, the voices we allow in, mm-hmm. we have a choice on that. And I don't think yes. we always realize that. I think that mm-hmm. a lot of times, and especially the way people fire off on social media, I've had some of the most ridiculous comments um, uh, directed... <laughs> Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <sighs> things like that have absolutely no bearing on the content mm-hmm. itself. You know, right. things that are just kind of like, well, you took the time to put that in a comment section. Right. Like, you realize that's optional. You don't have to comment. Yeah. <laughs> and do you understand the context before you make a statement? Yeah. Well, and because like, yeah, you actually do make yourself look pretty foolish, yes. and you don't, and you're trying to attack. Yep. Yet, yep. you're looking really bad because yes. you simply didn't take the time to understand yes. the whole context of what was trying to be communicated. And, and you not liking my face doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you, you can glean. People so say like, that kind of stuff. Oh, they, oh my God. It's ridiculous. It's horrible. So, you know, but it's, but that's the type of thing where it's like, you have a choice of whether or not to let that in. Yeah. And, and there are going to be people in your workplace or in your, you know, your immediate vicinity that you don't have a choice whether or not to be around them. You have a choice whether or not to listen to the mm-hmm. words that they're saying. We were talking about um, how even compliments we can internalize mm-hmm. um, with disastrous results. Yeah. And it, it took me back because um, I... I didn't have the the verbiage or the, a, a way to articulate it then. Mm-hmm. So when you said that, it was like a light bulb moment of that's exactly what I had done. Because it, it took me back to high school, actually. Uh-huh. So a while ago. But um, I, and I've shared quite a bit on on this um, podcast about my, my journey with epilepsy. Mm-hmm. But um, in the process of trying to find a drug that would stabilize me, um, you know, we changed medications quite often and it was always, it's always like a really long drawn out process, especially with the levels that I was on cause they mm-hmm. were very heavy doses. And, um, and the one that we started to transition on, um, the, one of the main side effects was weight gain and I had no idea. And I had never dealt with weight gain of that type before. Mm-hmm. Um, really hadn't dealt much with weight gain period cause I was very athletic. Gotcha. Um, grew up in a family of curvy women, but I was the beanpole. You know, mm-hmm. I was the, <laughs> I was, I was on the tall side, but just, just really, really thin. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so when I started to gain weight and at a dramatic rate, cause you swell up, it's, mm-hmm. it's more water weight retention, um, things like that. Uh, 
it was, it was really scary. It was really scary to me. And, um, and my reaction was kind of extreme and I didn't, um, necessarily know where it was coming from, but I was, and obviously in high school, you've got a lot of insecurity issues, right? Just in general. But, um, but like I said, I was, um, I was jokingly referred to as the beanpole. I remember people saying, if you turn her sideways, you can't see her and things of that type. And I was a little bit on the tall side. So occasionally there would be modeling scouts that would approach. And I, I can remember them handing my mom business cards and, and wanting, you know, to represent me. And those moments were the only moments that I felt beautiful. Hmm. And those moments, I somehow had, had really internalized those compliments. And I thought, if I'm, if I'm model, then I would be beautiful. Then people would want to look right. like me. And then, you know, and, um, and so fast forward, um, to, to this particular moment. And I, I mean, I had several low moments cause I started to get really extreme with diet and exercise. And I mean, I was, I was starving myself. I'll just say it flat out. It was, it was, it was an eating disorder mm-hmm. for sure. And then it was extreme exercise on top of that. And wow. so there were, there were plenty of low moments, but the one that I remember the most was I had gone for a run. Um, and, uh, I, I almost blacked out and, um, I was quite a ways from home. No one really ha- knew that I had gone for a run and I got pretty scared. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking you survived the seizures, but you are going to kill yourself wow. if you keep going this way. Mm-mm. And I thought, you got to get your head right. Mm-hmm. You got to get your head right. Your value is way too wrapped up in your appearance. Wow. You are going to kill yourself if you keep going this way. Yeah. And so the people's comments were feeding yeah. that. So what were like? What were some of the comments like? In, what? in terms of the weight gain? Yeah. Oh yeah. I will. I was. I was still in dance. I was still okay. taking dance classes, and um. And so you know, there is a, a side of where you know you're you're expected to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. You're expected to perform a certain way. And it wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. It wasn't there anymore. And so then there were, you know, things in terms of, um, body image, but, but also just things weren't, things weren't sitting where they used to or where yeah. they were supposed to. And, you know, and you, you, you start hiding, Yeah. you know, start wearing oversized clothes mm-hmm. and, and start just kind of reclusing that way. And, mm-hmm. Um, and getting depressed because you're reclusing that way. Yeah, and that's what shame does. Yes. It, yes. You 100% isolate. 100% impacts you, us it, just emotionally, mentally. Yeah. People don't realize that sometimes depression is a result of shame. Oh, yeah. You're oh, hiding. Yeah. You're isolating. You feel like something. Yes. What, like nobody. Now, you said somebody said something to you that fed a lie that you already believed about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was it was the compliments mm-hmm. that started, you know, that, that I had internalized the compliments of, mm-hmm. of, of being model material. Mm-hmm. And now that now that was not. dramatically not wow. the case. And I mean, it was even in my face. I mean, it was everywhere. Mm. It was just, you just swell up everywhere. Oh, wow. And, um, and once, you know, once we had gotten me off of that medication, things snapped back pretty quickly, but, um, but it, it's a whole long process. And yeah. it wasn't until we'd figured that out that we could even start the process. Mm-hmm. And, um, Did you have anybody in your life that said, Heather, you're beautiful just the way you are? Like anybody that helped you snap out, like, like spoke truth over you, like somebody that interrupted the, the negative self-talk 
and told you you're going down a wrong path right now. You're going to that dark place. At that point in Come my life, um, I mean, home life was crazy at this season of, of life. It was just, there were a lot of transitions happening, a lot of health things happening just in our home in general. And so there really wasn't a strong voice cutting through the the chaos. Mm -hmm. And we had recently moved, so I didn't have any very close friends. Um, And certainly no one that would be like, oh, you know, you, you know, you, are you feeling okay? Or, you know, that type of thing. It was... Ooh, I like what you just said. Can I jump in right here? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay. So... That's, is that what you were looking for? You were looking for empathy, like how are you feeling versus you look skinny or you look yeah. like you're gaining weight and you're swelling. Like, yeah. It's like, how are you feeling? Yeah, exactly. It's, you remind me, that reminded me specifically of a conversation my husband and I had where he was asking for accountability. Yeah. He was asking for accountability yeah. and he said, um, uh, you know, because he, he used to struggle with pornography and yeah. he asked for accountability. And I'm like, so what does accountability look like? What does it He's look like, like? Well, when you check in with me to see if I'm doing okay, then it tells me that you care about me. Yes. So I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. Because I avoided peacemaker, codependent. In yep. the early part of our marriage, I avoided anything that was hard. Yeah. I avoided having to confront someone. I didn't know how to like the, yeah, tell the, someone the truth in love. I didn't know that the, like if it hurt, yeah. I didn't want to hurt somebody. Yeah. But it's the truth. It's the truth. So like, so, w- so the way it played out is one day um, I, I checked in with him. Yeah. I thought I was doing, you know, checking it off the box. I checked in <laughs> with Jimmy to see how he was doing. He's like, you know what? I don't like that. Can you, can we look at this a little differently? And I'm like, what, what would you prefer that I yeah. say when I check yeah. in? And he said, check in on how I'm doing emotionally. Yes. Because what happens yes. before the behavior yes. is holding me accountable is, are, are, am I taking care of myself emotionally? Am I, yeah. what is my physical health like? Yeah. How am I spiritually in my relationship with God? Because yes. if those things, if my um, intimacy with my wife, not physical intimacy, right, but, but our conversations yep. are solid, yep. it all impacts my emotional well-being. Therefore, I'm not going to be as tempted or I'm going to be able to... Well, and I think that's yeah. so overlooked. That, that emotional intimacy, I think, is so overlooked when, when I think society looks at marriage there's such a stress put on physical intimacy, but I think that emotional intimacy is, uh, it's something you only get Mm -hmm. when you're in that kind of trusted relationship. And when you're in that kind of a place, Mm -hmm. you have um, a role that no one else can play. No one else can play. You are the most trusted voice. So if Abigail did not go on behalf of her husband, the whole, Mm -hmm. everybody would have died, right? Exactly. What, like we are, Jimmy and I are marriage educators, yeah. right? Yeah. And we like to tell people, you are your spouse's blueprint for growth. Yes. So your spouse has, uh, when you say I do and get that ring yep. on your finger, yep. you have given them full access to speak the truth Absolutely. in love. Even if it comes across not in love, yeah. they're really at the end of the day yeah. is a love behind what they're trying to say. I mess up all the time Absolutely. in the, my we delivery, all do. right? We all do, yeah. But I'm called to everything that's broken in Jimmy to help 
redeem it and pray for it and support it and help him be better and vice versa. So it's like, let's normalize this whole um, speaking in love. And if your spouse is messing up, yeah, like Nabel was or whatever his name yeah. is, like you got you, you, <laughs> you got to speak up. You got to speak up, absolutely. And I think that I think that um, when it comes to you know the the voices that we let in, having someone like a spouse, who I mean, there's nobody you trust more. Yeah, you you pledged to spend the rest of your life with this person. Clearly, you saw something, something. valuable, mm-hmm. and and so there's there's no other voice that I would rather have, I, I know that in terms of, of self-image, in, in, in my personal growth, it was my self-image has exponentially changed as a result of allowing him to speak in to what he sees in like, me. Like, what do you see in exactly. me? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that the value that I had misplaced mm-hmm. by internalizing someone else's voice, an outsider's voice, who really had no no um, genuine relationship with me. Yeah. You know, that, um, and really had ulterior motives of their own. Right. That, it, that, changing where I had placed value from what they had said mm-hmm. to what my husband says. Um, and Game what changer, it changes everything. It yep. changes everything. Cause you evaluated motive. You evaluated, does this yep. person have weight in my life? Are they for yep. me or against Are me? they for me or against mm-hmm. me? And that was one thing when we first got married that he would remind me of because we were figuring out how to navigate this, mm-hmm. you know, what are each other's triggers and, and how do I speak truth and love? And, um, and he would say, Heather, I'm for you. Because mm-hmm. like I told you earlier, like I get very confrontational, but he would say, I'm for you. Mm-hmm. I'm for you, Heather. Like you don't have to get defensive. Like I don't say this to come at you with something, mm-hmm. you know, let's figure this out. But that was, um, that was something I had to really learn because I had a tendency to assume the negative. Mm-hmm. And, I get it. and, and, and that was my instinct. That was my go-to. Guess what? It's all human <laughs> beings, by the way. We have the propensity to, to yeah. skew negative. It's just the way it's, we're wired. It, so we actually have to try. It's the reflex. To, yes. We have to like be super intentional about looking at it from yes. a perspective yes. of this person is not criticizing me. Yes. They are bringing something to help me yep. be better. Yep. Like, and so like in the morning when I wake up, there are a couple questions I ask myself before I go into conversations with Jimmy. Yeah. It's, um, am I, first of all, am I present? Yeah. Am I here? I'm not thinking about what he did 10 years ago or what I wish he would do in the future. I'm here present in this moment. Am I open? Am Mm. I open to change? Am I open to feedback? Mm -hmm. And am I being, am I going to be judgmental? Mm. Because... If I'm judgy, mm-hmm. then that's not going to be the right mood oh, yeah. for a hard conversation to yes. happen. So true. So I have to uh, think through being empathetic, which means non-judgmental. Yes. yes. I have to think through, am I yes. going to be open to change? Yes. Because there's something that I own that's part of what's happening here yes. in this dynamic. And then, uh, you know, just am I present? Am I connected to yeah. God? Yeah. And am I connected to myself and my own emotions? Yes. And I think when 
that's regulated and positioned, we can go and and then like I'm praying, like God, yeah. remind me that I have this covenant with this man, yes. that he is for me, yes. not against me, because I have the tendency to get defensive, super defensive, mm-hmm. or feel like the shame game. I am bad. I am bad when yeah. I, when he brings up something that he's asking me. Hey, can we do it like this instead of like that? Yep. So I literally had to get practical and study sentence starters to oh, get you know, me to that's yeah. really smart though. Yeah, just to because I had to start figuring out how to give someone feedback. Yeah, where I am life giving. Yeah, and so um, you know, I make sure I acknowledge first. Absolutely. Do you see the pattern yes. in everything we're talking about? Like acknowledge what they're feeling, thinking, why they're saying yeah. it. Like you don't like we were having a discussion with uh, my kids and uh, one of them was like being really vocal and just animated about how they felt about someone else in the family's health, right? Yeah. It was coming across really harsh. Mm -hmm. But if we didn't take it personally, I was like, ooh, this is coming across really wrong. But if I took it from the aspect of this person is trying to communicate how much they care about the health. yes. Then it took the personal out of it, and we could hear that you they're hear just it. worried. They have yeah. fear that um, our family member is not going to live yeah. long. But it was coming across very critical. Yeah. Well, and I think that I think that's earned. I mm-hmm. think that that relationships and relational equity are where we earn the right to express with yeah. that kind of emotion. I, I think about um, the other day I was I was okay. venting about about um, a person who they mean well I think but <laughs> but they um, they were corresponding this was work related but they mm. were corresponding and um, kind of kept repeating the same thing over and I said to my husband I said I feel like they don't listen like when we when they ask a question they're not actually listening for the response because I answered that question in a couple of different ways, mm-hmm. but they're not listening. And I said, mm. their, their correspondences, um, and what they're saying in their correspondences, um, it, it's like, it's not really necessary, but it's annoying to me. And I don't know why oh my it's gosh, so annoying. It's Except that it's, of mine it's too. really just, I'm like, I just don't feel like, like our conversations have any yeah. m- meaning because you're not even listening. You're yeah. not even, if someone you're talking has to at say me. the same thing over and over, it's like, did you not hear me acknowledge it already? I've acknowledged exactly. it. I've th- so that's that's such a pet peeve for me <laughs> because I'm like, if you keep saying it over yeah. and over, what I make up about that is that I'm, what, yep. am I an idiot? Am I stupid? Yep. Because you have to yep. keep saying it over and over, even though I used words and acknowledged it so that you would feel heard. So that heard. you would feel heard. Yeah, exactly. So we exactly. Could move on to the next thing. Exactly. <laughs> so I but it, but it did put a check in me. I thought, you know, I just want to make sure that in conversations like you were talking about earlier about being present. Mm-hmm. Like I want to make sure that I am present. Mm-hmm. And I can I can be that writer that's all up in, you know, the stratosphere thinking about a million different things and and so I can bring that sometimes into conversation. And I know I do that, but it was something that kind of put a check in me as I was venting uh-huh. <laughs> about my frustration. Um, I, I, th- I thought, oh man, you know, I really want to make sure I never do that because yeah. again, you're not then acknowledging the other person mm-hmm. and you, there's no way if that is the way that you are in conversation, there's no way to build relationship right. that way because mm-hmm. you're constantly talking at someone. at someone, you're not talking right. to them or with them, mm-hmm. talking at them. Mm-hmm. And um, love and that, is reciprocal. So if we're yes. speaking truth in 
love. Yes. And it, yes. Like, what we're speaking, love is reciprocal. Absolutely. It's redemptive. It's redeeming. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, so what does that look like in regular everyday English, right? Yep. When people think about that, I, you know, I actually think about Galatians um, 6, 1 through 4. Here's the deal. It says, uh, dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by some sin, you are you who are godly should gently and humbly, and humbly help that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. This is really interesting, and I want to like pick your brain about it because yeah. in recovery, so I told you I'm eight years in recovery yeah. from alcohol addiction. And people come to me all the time. They're like, oh, I want what you have. I want to get free yeah. from whatever it is that they're struggling with. They're like, I want accountability. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, mm. you do, do huh? You, do, do you really? Do you really? <laughs> so I'm like, so what do you what do you mean when you say accountability? Yeah. yeah. Because if you're asking me to follow up with you, what are your goals? That's what, you, what I always ask them. Oh, that's good. Yep. And mm-hmm. then I what does accountability look like to you? This is what it looks like to me. And when we agree on it, yes, it's going to look like this. So that means our expectations line up. Yep. We have both agreed to the expectation. Yep. It's not an expectation that's valid unless both unless parties both. agree. So once we agree and yes. then I am, uh, you know, checking in with you and you're yep. starting to be MIA, you're isolating. I'm yep. seeing the patterns uh, yep. go back to being a dry drunk, being a mm-hmm. person who's, yeah, you're absent of the, you know, substance, but you're still but behaving you're, mm-hmm. in this um, unhealthy way. I'm going to come and check in on you gently, Yep. but I'm not going to force it. Right. Like right. I'm going to be gentle, Yes. but I'm not going to go into the bar, mm-hmm. into the club to get you if right. I struggle with the same thing because then it could overtake then me. It could, yeah. I'm not better than you because I'm sober longer. I haven't relapsed. Just like Paul is saying, so be, careful to, <laughs> be careful to avoid the same. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I... I you I've, can fall into the same temptation. People are like, oh, I got rescued from... I don't know, maybe the per, somebody who was yep. a stripper or whatever. Yep. So then they go into strip joints and they, you know, they they yep. got into drugs and alcohol while they're in the strip joint working there. Now they say, I'm going to go back in there and help other women. Well, they go back in and then they get caught up into the in same, the old, same lifestyle. old lifestyle. And so it's like I want to help people, but I'm not going to go to the. I'm not. I'm going to exactly. watch where I'm going Absolutely. to help you. How Absolutely. about you come with me on my journey? Well, and it goes recovery. back to that reciprocal. If it's mm-hmm. in love. There needs to be that that um, that invitation. I think a lot of times we overlook that idea of having it, um, verbalizing to friends. Mm-hmm. I want you to hold me accountable. Yes, like I have a close knit group of friends who and who are given my permission to mm-hmm. hold me accountable yeah. because I know those people. Um, they are for me. Mm-hmm. They are always, uh, you know, affirming and, and, and acknowledging of whatever it is that, that I'm, I'm dealing with, but they, um, but if, you know, if they see me veering off or if they see me isolating or if they see any of those tendencies, they will speak up. And I think, you know, we see examples of this in scripture. We, I think of David again, he's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's so many, um, so many ways that he's a good illustration for things in scripture, but that's partly because he makes a lot of mistakes. Yeah. That are very well documented yeah. mistakes. Right. So um, on one hand, it's like, sorry, David, but I'm going to use you again because yeah. um, when he uh, when he messes up with Bathsheba, 
and then they they have a child and um the prophet Nathan comes to him and David had given Nathan and Gad both the authority to call him on on his issues mm-hmm. and and so Nathan is doing his job but he confronts David uh, about his sin mm-hmm. and um and it's 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 bad news. Yeah, it's bad news because he he has to even tell David, as a result of this, that, that the child that you had together is going to die. Right. Um, but David doesn't immediately rile up in the defensive, and Nathan is pretty clever in how he approaches David with this because he gives him a hypothetical okay. scenario. He mm-hmm. gives him a hypothetical of you know an injustice. And David is immediately able to spot where the injustice is and, oh, we got to, you know, make sure this is handled properly. And then Nathan's like, David, that's you. Right. That's you. You're the one that, that, that committed this, this horrible sin. And, um, and so, but David repents immediately after. And, and he's so open in his mm-hmm. confession. He's so vulnerable that even the servants right. are aware of his mistake and how distraught he is yes. over it. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that that picture, I mean, it just gets so burned in my brain of the king himself mm-hmm. refusing food, refusing to sleep, praying and begging um, God to forgive him and right. um and and that that um, demonstration of what it means to have someone in your life that you trust holding you accountable that he could have very well set off with his head and concealed yeah. the whole matter. No one else was going to speak up. And he knew right. that. You know, Gad was the only other, and he could have had him killed too. Right. Nobody else is going to come to the king and go, oh, you, 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 know, you shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, in, in all reality, the most powerful man in all the land, yeah. you know, he didn't have to listen, but he did. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is, is such a, a powerful gauge for us in terms of, of how receptive we are. Because... Oftentimes, the things that you know your your friends or your spouse will come to you about, they're not massive things, right? <laughs> Usually, it's not adultery and murder that you're being mm-hmm. confronted about. You know, it's right. like sometimes that's that is the case. That is the case. But but yeah. but oftentimes, just in daily life, they're they're much smaller, more trivial things. But if we practice with the smaller, trivial things, mm-hmm. how much more receptive? are we likely to be when it comes to the big issues? Right, absolutely. When it comes to the big mistakes, mm. because we all make mistakes. I feel like I caused, I like something that you made me think of is just how I could repent to my husband, and I have repented to him about this in the past, by my lack of assertiveness and shying away from uh, bringing something to him in love, um, I caused him a disservice. And when I was supposed to be as his wife, his blueprint for growth, I could have nudged him in a way that reminded him of confirmed, you know, hey, this is the way God wants us to operate. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like that's what, you know, the nature of what you're saying. Da, da, da. But by me checking him in love, that's yes. my job. Yes. And when I don't, and then he makes yes. a mistake and I'm like, what am I going to do? Say, I told you so. So now my motives are wrong and I told you so, but he needed me to speak up to help him. Absolutely. I'm his helpmate. Absolutely. And I think and I... And vice versa. Like, I would have been like, why absolutely. didn't you tell me? And versus kicking him while he's down and, you know... I, I think <laughs> of, I think of, because I, I'm guilty of the same thing. And I think a lot of times um, there's almost, um, 
a fear of being that vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Even when you're the one checking, you're also opening the door for them to check you. Mm -hmm. And that, that's good. You know, I think that sometimes we avoid it because it's like, well, but you know, then they're going to bring up this thing I did Mm -hmm. here. And I don't really want to talk about that. Right. Um, I I think they like some, we still have a choice though. Yep. Like you said, in the beginning of this whole talk, you said, yep. You know, we have a choice, what we're going to do with this accountability that someone brings us. And if, um, my husband chooses not to take my advice. Yes. yes. Am I get what's my motive? If my motive was to be right, then yes. I'm going to be like I told you so. And that is such a trap. Mm-hmm. It's such a trap. It's such a trap because it feels good to be right. It feels good to be right. Do I want to be <laughs> right or do I want to be like united with my husband, exactly. carrying the weight of exactly. whatever it is, whatever exactly. the decision is together. Exactly. And it's like, so now I have, I've come into the habit of, you know, I'll ask him, have you thought of this? Have you thought yep. of that? Have you, yep. and if he still chooses to make that decision and yep. I'm not necessarily in agreement, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. Hey, I don't agree, but because so, these could yes. be the consequences. Yes. So when and if these consequences happen, I'm just letting you know yep. this is where I'm going to stand. And then I let him know ahead of time so yep. it's not like, oh, she's kicking me while she's down. Yep. While I'm down. What he, she's uh, rubbing salt into the wound. No, exactly. that's no, not my motive. That's not my motive. But if I'm that strongly against a decision, Absolutely. number one, he's not going to do it without my <laughs> agreement. But... If he just, because he can, yeah. he's a human being. Exactly. He's, own, he's a grown man. Exactly. If he decides to make a decision, make some decision. outside of my covering per se, exactly. I've yeah. been wrong sometimes. It's true. We, we, I've I been think... wrong and he was, he was right. Yeah. And thank God he made that choice. Yeah. But then it's been the other way around. It's, it, and, and I think about, I think about when, um, when we were first married, um, I remember, I don't even remember what the circumstances were, but there was something that, um, that went down and, um, affected us really negatively. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember telling him, um, that I knew it was going to happen that way. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he was like, how in the world would you have known that? Right. And, um, and I said, well, because God told me mm-hmm. and he looked at me and I thought he was going to be pleased that, you know, like, oh, you know, she's, mm-hmm. she, she listens to, to God's voice. And he said to me, he said, why on earth would you have kept that from me? Mm-hmm. And I immediately felt convicted because I never, uh, wow. I'd never yeah. been in a relationship where that was, was, was welcomed, where that yeah. was encouraged. I didn't really even, even, yeah, I didn't really even recognize that that was a prophetic word. You know, it was, it was something that, you know, I knew God spoke to me and I knew, you know, and I would trust it and act when it was just me, mm-hmm. but to be in a relationship with someone else who was also affected, mm-hmm. that was a whole different ball game. Yeah. And he said to me, he said, that really upsets me. And, and, you know, from now on, you need to talk to me when you, when you have a word like that, you need to tell me. And I thought, wow, like this is so much bigger Mm -hmm. than when I was single doing life by myself. Like that's, that's one thing, Mm -hmm. but now it's, it's, it it was taking ownership and, and, Mm -hmm. and really stepping out when, when God would tell me um, something, I needed to make it known to him Mm -hmm. when, like you said, when I didn't agree, like, I don't have a piece about that. I don't want to do that. Um, it, it, I needed to speak up. Right. I needed to be much more um, assertive that way because 
it isn't just about you. And like you said, you're the blueprint. Right. You're the blueprint. So if if you don't say anything and it goes down wrong, well, that's on you. Right. Because you were the one that was charged with that. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, there's so many illustrations in scripture of, of, you know, you being the one given that responsibility, I think even of Moses mm-hmm. and, um, what an incredible leader. But when God tells him to go and, and talk to Pharaoh, mm-hmm. he's like, uh, I, I, I don't, right. I'm not a good speaker. I'm yeah. not really great at Super that. Hesitant. Like, yep. <laughs> but it gets to the point where he keeps insisting and um, I think it's in Exodus three, mm-hmm. but he keeps insisting that you know he's not qualified for this this role, and it says the Lord's anger burned against him. Wow! And I, I'm like, I really don't want that. No. <laughs> no, thank you. I, I'm, I think I want to avoid that yeah. part of things. So, mm-hmm. but um, you know, and obviously. Moses it goes on to be an, an incredible leader, but that moment in his story could have gone down so differently. Oh, one hundred percent. You know, and I yeah. and I think about that, and and um and how much God wanted to entrust him to that, mm-hmm. that it would actually make him angry that yeah. you didn't listen to me, right? You know, mm-hmm. so um so I think about that in in the sense that you know when we um, are aware of something. Uh, that a brother or sister or a spouse is, you know, struggling with, or we need to speak up. We're the the whole point of us being aware of that and us seeing that and mm-hmm. God speaking that to us is because He's entrusting us with the responsibility to yes. do so. But you have to go into that it like, word entrust. Yeah, You've been entrusted. Yeah, with a message. Yes. So we're not in control of the message. No. The response to the message. Nope. Our obedience is all he's asking. It isn't for. about us at all, really. Yeah. Our obedience. That's it. Is everything. It's better than sacrifice, the Bible says. Like, yes. Uh, our obedience. It's like, Oof, yeah. you, you know, I'm going to, God, okay, I'm going to muster up the courage to yeah. go and s- hug this person, say I'm sorry, go yep. do this, say that. You know, the Holy Spirit is leading us, yep. right? So we're obedient to that. But I'm not going to control whether they receive it or don't. Yep. I'm not in control. Like I relinquish God control yeah. of the outcome because yeah. think about it when we're trying to control the outcome, yep. then we are trying to play God. Oh yeah, exactly. That's exactly like, what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, no, that's manipulation <laughs> and that's wrong motivation for what yes. you're trying to communicate to the other person. Yes. Like, yes. no, I, I'm going to say, be obedient and say what yes. I have to say. But at the end of the day, we're all, um, we have free will. Yep. Absolutely. Everyone has a choice. Yes. So they can choose to receive, choose not to. Yes. There are consequences either way, good consequences, bad consequences. Yep. But I think the teach teachable thing for ourselves is I I it's almost like what you said in the beginning also of this um, podcast where you talked about detaching in love. Yeah. Like I'm gonna detach from the outcome. Yes. Lovingly. Yes. Not withhold. Not have my arm, yep. my love, or have my arms crossed, saying, "Well, you can listen or not, yep. and if you don't, then you're on your own." Yep. No, it's like here's the information I wanted to give you. Yes. Here's the check I had in my yes. spirit. What yes. do you think about it? Yes. You know, like yeah, do you yeah. want to win or be right or yep, just you know, it's it's entirely still like, yeah. in you know the ball's still in your court. You know, like I'm not taking that away from you. You can mm-hmm. still, you know, proceed, but 
let me offer you this. Yes. And you have the the choice. What mm-hmm. do you want to do in this instance? Yeah. And I think a lot of times too, you know, the question has to come up, you know, when when do you speak? Mm-hmm. Because the Bible says slow to speak. Exactly. Be slow to speak. So 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 when? Because we Quick know that listen. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah, which is not our nature. No. <laughs> We like are fast to speak and slow to listen. Slow to listen. Isn't that interesting? I know. And look, I just cut you off. So that's, that was being quick to speak. It was just like a scripture was coming to my head. I'm like, oh, it does say slow to speak. Well, and I think sometimes, I think sometimes that, um, you know, there's so many things happening in the world. So many instances where it's kind of like, oh, should this happen? Should, should I speak up here? Should I talk about this? Should I talk about that? And, um, and it can be tricky to navigate when, but the Bible is so clear about God's heart for, for justice. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think about, it's really, really good. It's, it's, it's so clear about yes, that because so keep talking. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm no. just like it, s- sitting in that. I'm like, yeah. So if Jesus was all of he, that's when he got super when angry, he got angry. Yeah, is when there was injustice. So yes. but what is the purpose of the, you know, I'm an it, emotional health coach. I can't help but say, so what is the, the emotion of anger trying to tell us? Yep. Move, go yep. do something yep. like, but it's the healthy part of it. Yeah. The gift of anger yeah. is to motivate us to go move and help in an yep. injustice. Yep, exactly. And I think about, mm-hmm. um, you love history, so I know you know this quote, um, Martin uh, uh, Neimoller, I think I'm saying that name all wrong. Anyways, German uh, Protestant pastor, and, and, and this was during uh, World War II. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was Lutheran in, in, in his background, and eventually the Nazis did come for, for the Christians. There mm-hmm. was a specific group of, of Christians who had misappropriated scripture, taken pieces out, actually tried to take the Jewishness out of the Bible. So imagine that, yeah. like Jesus himself was Jewish. So yeah. um, good luck. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, uh, this particular quote, I'm sure you've heard before, but he talks about how, you know, they first came for, um, for the, the, the communists, but I didn't speak then because I wasn't a communist. And mm. then they came for, and he names these different groups of people, yeah. but I didn't speak up because I wasn't, you know, fill in the blank. Um, and then they came for me and mm. there was no one left to speak. Wow. And that, that quote, I think, is just so profound in the sense that um, that we can actually um, promote a lie mm. by our silence. Interesting. And that, I think, is is where we have to be um, walking close to God and and leaning on the Holy Spirit for when to speak. Mm-hmm. I think that is so crucial because any of the figures that you see in scripture who have a platform in terms of, you know, their particular message, mm-hmm. whomever it is, you know, I think about Jeremiah and I, I mean, the weeping prophet, your, mm-hmm. your heart goes out to him because his life was so hard, mm-hmm. so hard. But, um, there, and there are so many instances where it feels like literally no one is listening to this man. He is prophesying his heart out and right. no one is listening. And there's, um, there's one instance, let me see if I can, 
um, pull it up. But he's given yet another disastrous prophecy, um, and the king is super angry. So were his uh, the king's men. So he throws Jeremiah into the, it says the dungeon in scripture is technically a cistern that's dried up. So gotcha. you basically got dropped in, and they just wait till you starve to death. Yeah. So, um, it, but it says in thirty eight. Uh, uh, verse 7 it says but Ebed Melech a Cushite an official in the royal palace heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern while the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate Ebed Melech went out of the palace and said to him my lord the king these men have acted wickedly in all they have done to, to Jeremiah the prophet they have thrown him into a cistern where he will starve to death when there is no longer any bread in the city and which was according to Jeremiah's prophecy and um, the king listens to this particular guard. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me because, um, again, approaching the king and disagreeing with him at a moment like this could have mm -hmm. cost this man his life. And, um, and like I said, it didn't seem like anyone was mm -hmm. listening to Jeremiah. So he's really on, on his own here. Mm -hmm. and, and, and he approaches the king on his own. He goes out by himself. Um, but, it's it's kind of an incredible story because it goes on into the next chapter and the prophecies of Jeremiah are all coming true and it's looking really bad for the city of Jerusalem. Right. And um and this is what Jeremiah tells Ebed-Melech um because God tells him to. Um and this is this is God speaking. He says, "But I will rescue you, Ebed-Melech, on that day," declares the Lord, "and you will not be given into the hands of those you fear. I will save you. You will not b fall by the sword, but will escape with your life because you trust in me," declares the Lord. And it's just one of those incredible kind of stories where um he could have he could have just kept his mouth shut. Right. Like everyone else. Mhm. Mm been, you know, just fine. At, at the hands of, of everyone else, mm -hmm. but he, he speaks up and, and has the courage to say something, um, when it seems like no one's listening. And as a result, he and his entire family live when most everyone else is, is taken captive yeah. or killed. And, um, and as a guard, he would have probably been killed. Yeah. So anyways, but that is again, where, um, where again you see this this um, this tendency, Ebed Melech, when he approaches the king, he doesn't first come at the king like what you've done is evil. He talks about what the men and how unfair it was, and what will eventually happen to Jeremiah if this is allowed mm -hmm. to continue. And so then the king is like, "Yeah, go get him," mm -hmm. you know, and like whatever, whatever you want to do, go get him. But um, and I'm not saying that the king totally turns and has a change of heart because he still doesn't listen to Jeremiah, right? Um, but that God takes care of that. And again, but again, that's, that's relinquishing that's, that control. That's relinquishing and the control. Have yes. the end result. And the justice is in God's mm -hmm. hands. And that's something yes. that I feel like we have to recognize God's heart is for justice, but the justice is in his hands. <laughs> you need to say that again. <laughs> I mean, God's heart is always for justice, but he's not overlooking things. Yeah. It stays in his so hands. Good. We should be vocal when we see an injustice, yes, but we need to make sure our hearts are in the right place yeah. and that our motives are in the right place. Because if we are speaking on behalf of God, we need to make sure we're speaking the words of God and in the right. way that God instructs us to, mm -hmm. which like you brought up in Galatians, Paul says what? Humility yeah. and gentleness. gentleness. Like, is mm -hmm. that typically how we want to confront injustice? Right. With... <laughs> 
<laughs> with humility and mm-hmm. empathy and <laughs> right not really not for typically. most people right no. no yeah no that's uh, that's you know and I think I think about again in, in today's day the majority of the time it's not going to be an in-person right confrontation um, oftentimes I feel like when people get the most vocal it is online mm-hmm. and the most passionate you know verbiage comes out online yeah um, but that's not I don't feel that's the most constructive. No. I always like to, even on text, if I have to um, use my phone to communicate mm-hmm. and something, and it's in writing, mm-hmm. what I'll do is I might say, hey, I'm going to send you a voice memo after this just so that they can hear the tone of the my tone voice. The tone of your voice, that's good. Or I'll do the voice memo first just yep. so they can hear me out, yep. hear the tone of my voice, my intention, yep. and then I type it out so that they have both. That's good. But it's like that's making intentional effort to Absolutely. make sure communication doesn't get um, skewed yep. where the enemy comes in and you know puts a fence in somebody's heart because of something in the way I wrote it. Absolutely. So, and um, it can be so mm-hmm. easily done in text messages or, yeah. or whatever. Because how I'm hearing it, it could, like, if I read the same thing out loud, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. could sound like somebody's yelling at me. Yep. I make up something about what I'm reading. But when I um, <laughs> repeat it in, or I say it in with my voice yeah. attached to it, yeah, it really conveys heart. And I, yeah. And oftentimes I get sabotaged by Siri. So sometimes the, even the words, it's not, <laughs> it's not Siri. what I said. Oh. <laughs> She's got it out for me. I tell you. She 100% <laughs> at times like sets me up for sure. For sure. So the last thing um, that I, I did want to talk about that I, I feel like we've, we've brushed on, but, um, but it is that component of, of, of who, we are um, allowing in and who we we speak to because there's also um, there are also situations of positional authority mm-hmm. and um, and you having a responsibility but at the same time it can be t- tricky because positional authority is not the same thing as relational equity Ooh, that's good you know it's true that 100 percent that yeah mm-hmm. because it's it's just like you said uh, clanging gongs yeah. and things like that. If it's somebody who is just over you or the boss and there's yep. no relational equity, it's just like, clang. if you just feel like somebody's, um, you're just being directed instructions, yep. but there's buy-in yep. when absolutely there it's, you know, what's being communicated is yep. from someone who has invested and been intentional about the relational equity. Absolutely. It's more receptive and pliable. It's like you trust because we automatically skew negative, we yeah. will trust where someone's coming from that has shown themselves uh, relationally. Yeah. That they care that they're in the game. They're yeah. for me. Yeah. Like you said. Absolutely. I, I think that I think that a lot of times, um, you know, there it can be a tricky dynamic in in a especially like in a workplace type situation, yeah. um, because you you never want to overestimate the depth of your relationship when it is a working type mm-hmm. rela- relationship. At the same time, um, I'm sure there are, are instances that, uh, that I could think of if I, if I went in on this where you might be the only person. Yeah. You might be the only person. And sometimes it is 
about the one person listening. Sometimes it's like with Jeremiah and Evan Malek. Nobody else approached right. the king, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't really, there's no other real relationship between this particular guard and Jeremiah recorded in the, the prophet's work, but he was the only one listening. Mm-hmm. And he was aware he was the only one listening. Mm-hmm. And so that awareness, I think, is really, really key. Um, mm-hmm. but, I, but again, you know, that's, that's kind of, it's another instance where you really have to rely on, um, on the Holy Spirit for guidance. 100%. And, and just being aware enough in knowing, hey, we, our relationship really isn't that deep. Mm-hmm. So the way that I approach this person about this, I have to be very mindful of if yeah. I have relational equity. Yeah. And, and sometimes even just saying it out loud, hey, I know we don't know each other yes. that well. But At here's, least here's what I've noticed. Uh-huh. Like you said, you know, here's, here's what I've noticed. Here's what I've observed, you know, and, and, and even just asking like, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, it seems. Or are you open to feedback? Yeah. Are you open to yeah. another perspective? Yeah. Because sometimes they're not. Exactly. And you got to respect it if they exactly. say, then, hey, let's, that's cool. And, and <laughs> when there is um, hostility or tension um, between us and someone else, the Bible makes it very clear. I thought this mm-hmm. was so interesting. The Bible makes it very clear. It is our responsibility. Yeah. Jesus himself says that um, if you're going to the altar to offer a sacrifice, but are harboring something against your brother. Right. You are to stop. Don't even offer the sacrifice. Don't even offer it. Go make things right. And that I thought Check was... Check your intentions, man. Yes. Check your heart. Check your motives. Yes. Like there's so much work we have to do within ourselves before we even go yep. to try to speak in love. Yep. Because again, back to yep. Galatians and, you know, the Passion Translation says, but... Um, uh, my beloved friends, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, the one who is in the spirit should seek to restore him in the spirit of gentleness, but keep watch over your own heart yep. so that you won't be tempted to exalt yourself over him. I just think Ooh. that is so oh, good reading yeah. it from that version. Yes. It's like, okay, you're yes. don't one up the person. No. Like you're better than because no. of, you know, you have feedback or you see it from a different yep. perspective. It's like, no, check your heart, check your own heart. Yep. B- remain humble and gentle. And then it restores yes. them in the spirit. Well, and you've talked about how our emotions and, and what triggers us can often tell us more about ourselves mm-hmm. than the other person. Right. And that's something I feel like when we when we confront one another, um, what we're feeling, we need to be mindful of. Because if it's pride, yeah, don't don't right. speak. Because if if what you're feeling toward that other person is um, in any way motivated by wanting to exalt yourself over mm-hmm. them, then it's not biblical. Yeah. Then it's not God telling you to speak. Right. That that's you telling you to speak, mm-hmm. and and it's not going to be constructive or beneficial. Right. So I think that's I think that's so. I love that. I see. That's why I love different translations. Mm-hmm. Me too. I love different translations. That's, I like comparing just because yes. it's like it's gonna come out, um, come out just com- completely, not completely differently, but it gives me the understanding that I need. 
Okay, Galatians 6, what was the verse? Um, verses uh, 1 through 4. I'm just, I'm just having a little fun here. This is yeah. the voice translation. Oh, tell me. My spiritual brothers and sisters, if one of our faithful has fallen into a trap and is snared by sin, don't stand idle and watch his demise. Mm. Gently restore him, being careful not to step into your own snare. Shoulder each other's burdens, and then you will live as the law and the anointed teaches us. Don't take this opportunity to think you are better than those who slip because you aren't. Then you've become the fool and deceive yourself. How good is that? It's basically saying, assert yourself. Don't just sit there and not say anything. You are wrong. You're insane. If you don't say something and you see someone you love, someone you have relational equity, you see abuse happening. Yes. Yes. You call it it out. Yes. Like, I wish, oh, (laughs) I think about my own journey with recovery. Like, the warning signs were all there. I hid my, uh, in shame, I hid that I was drinking so much from my friends. I didn't even give them the opportunity to check in with me. Oh, it's like when I, when I, with the eating disorder. Yeah. I hid it all the time. Mm -hmm. So you're only as accountable as you want to be. So Mm -hmm. nobody could help me. Mm -mm. And it's like, but my husband Mm -hmm. saw Mm. and he asserted himself and said it. Now, we learned through our experience yeah. he didn't do it in a gentle right. way. And <laughs> right. it made me drink even more. Right. But when he was gentle with it, yeah. he restored me. Yeah. And I received the help that I need yeah. and then we healed together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, gosh, it's so it's so incredible. Like and like even in our dynamic, like I think about that whole 80-20 rule um that like his part of the dysfunction, he yeah. was enabling my drinking and I had, was in the addiction. And so yeah. I had a huge part of it, but he still had a part to play. Yeah. And yeah. I think him coming to rehab with me, taking ownership over his part, being open and yeah. present. He listened to the counselors and the teachers educate about addiction, educate about, oh, she's not drinking at yep. you. She could not stop on her own. She needed intervention. Like, he because he became open yeah he then started believing the truth of what was happening is yeah. that i couldn't control it versus what he was feeling about it which was she's drinking at me at me yeah so do you see what i'm saying it's absolutely. like but if you're not open absolutely and i think so often there's a fear you miss something so big a fear of being open yeah. i think that a lot of times you know there's a, like the people Id- feel taken advantage of yeah. or if yeah. I'm open, does it mean I agree? Or even just, I don't have the answers for this. Yeah. And there's kind of, you know, there's a fear associated mm. with that because, you know, are we going to make it to the other side? Right. If, if I don't have the answer for this and I don't know how to solve this problem, are we going to be able to? Yeah. And then what? You know, and so I think there is a fear of that. But if we can relinquish that control, if we can let go of that, um, of of that, and 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 open ourselves to the other person in the equation. And clearly, if you're in a position where you're entrusted with this word for this person, then then there is something of value, something to be redeemed, something that God wants to to step in on behalf of. And and so we, you know. It's it's worth it. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's worth it. So, girl, I think we could go on all day long. All day. Um, all day. And <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, speaking the truth in love can be hard, but yes. as long as it's beneficial, 
it's worth getting past what you may be feeling, peacemakers. Yeah. Like you may be feeling <laughs> like this is really hard for me to speak the truth in love because it might hurt the person. Yeah. While you're hurting them by not speaking yeah. up. Yeah. So. And 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 likewise, for for those of us who who are much more on the confrontation side of things, yeah. you you get in your own way. If you truly care about helping um, heal mm-hmm. and and helping redeem then evaluate your tactics, evaluate the way that you're speaking the truth in love. Because if you're really speaking the truth in love, um, it matters. Mm-hmm. It matters. 100%. And, and the wisest people in scripture illustrate this point. It's not, it's not my word. It's, it's his. Mm-hmm. So, so that, so um, that I think is, uh, it's, it really is worth evaluating. I love what yeah. you were saying about taking, uh, taking notes and, and conversation starters. That's so mm-hmm. um, active. Because I had to get t- my husband uh, confronted me in love yeah. that I go straight to fixing <laughs> instead of acknowledging like what he felt first yeah. or celebrating something yeah. first. I go to fixing all the things that could go wrong. So it's like I had to, um, to in order for my brain to be reframed, my yeah. response to change, yeah. I had to practice sentence starters. And it sounds so cheesy, but... I had to, you know I'm what? like, I had to like have three yeah. that I just kept on repeat. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a great idea. Instead of going mm, <laughs> immediately, it's like, man, I'm the dream crusher. No, <laughs> it's like, I want him to, I, it's, I love, and a lot of time yeah. I love the idea. Yeah. But I just yeah. went straight to the solution instead solution. of acknowledging it's the dream. But that but those are the the two different the two different approaches and and learning how to navigate those just um We make each other better. I was just going to say yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. And the same goes with any, you know, any friendship. Mm-hmm. You again, learning to navigate that is just gonna, it's just mm-hmm. going to make us stronger. It's just going to make us um better as individuals and yeah. as as friends mm-hmm. and spouses. So, girl, thank you again for being on thank the show. You for having and me. and just um, just for the the those of us or those um, who are listening, where can people find you? You can find me super easy. My website <laughs> is irenerollins.com on Instagram at Irene Rollins, okay. Facebook Irene Rollins. <laughs> <laughs> super easy and yeah, and um, I wrote the book uh, a book called Reframe Your Shame. It's amazing. And uh, yes, if if anybody is interested in No, seriously, just... you need to go and order this book. <laughs> I why do I not have it on the table here? Oh, it's fine. It's, I, fine. it's on Amazon and like literally everywhere. Yeah, everywhere where books are sold. In fact, I think I was on there yesterday on Amazon yesterday. You know these books go on sale? Yes. Yes. I, yeah, so Mine it was like on recently. sale yes. recently. Yeah. Yes. So get it and like, you know, start walking out this journey of I have gone back and reread and reread. Yeah. Like you, you there is there's a lot packed into this book and it's not it's 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 one that you can sit down and casually read, mm-hmm. but it will go so much deeper when you when you dig in. Um You know what my prayer is for our listeners? Mm-hmm. What's that? It's that when they're reading your book and when they're reading my book, that the Lord would begin to um, cause them to see things and hear things from God in love. So like in a spirit of love. 
because yes. I honestly feel like there's so much to learn. Like when I was reading your book about just the lessons I got from Abigail, like mm. were mind blowing and helped me in the way I posture myself with my husband. And I believe in reframe your shame. Absolutely. I'm speaking some truth Absolutely. about addiction, about hurts, hangups, habits, and yep. I'm speaking them in love. Yep. So it's like, whether you're a person in the addiction or a person who, you know, someone who is in one, yes. um, there's some truth yes. that you might receive only from me because Absolutely. I'm Absolutely. saying I've been there, done that, and I'm speaking it in love. So well, just it's be so, open. It's so clear when, when, when reading your book, it was so clear how, like where your heart was, where your heart was in writing it. And that made it so that I let my guard down as I was reading it. And there were so many things that I was able to, to learn from it. And, and I don't think I would have if, it, if I hadn't felt so connected to, to the voice of this, of this book. And I honestly didn't know you that well when I was reading your book. So the fact that I was able to feel that is, yeah. is really a testament. Relational to equity. I, <laughs> Relational equity in the book was me sharing my testimony yes, and absolutely. being vulnerable about parts of my life. But now we have and being relational, so authentic. actual, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's so true. some time spent and I've enjoyed it and I treasure your friendship. I cherish it. So thank you. I love nerding out over this kind of stuff. It's so much fun. Fun. (laughs) All right. Thank you again for joining us on this episode of Scripts on Scripture. And I'll see you next time.